Welcome to Jack Howard Colour, the podcast. Today's guest, I'm super excited. She's really busy. She's an Instagram sensation. It's Chrissy Danielle, inventor of the blonde roadmap, copied many times, but she was the initial person to do it. From independent educator to international brand ambassador, Chrissy has a fantastic story. She has loads of tips and tricks to share with you about how she uses Instagram, how she reuses content, and just an all-round lovely conversation. Welcome back to Jack Howard Colour, the podcast. Today's guest is Chrissy Danielle. I've been so excited, Chrissy, to get you on. Chrissy is in Cleveland, Ohio, which isn't too far away from me, but she is like an Instagram sensation, guys. If you don't follow her, please follow her. Chrissy, you're a trust ambassador. You're on the BTC team. You own a salon. You developed the Blonde Roadmap, which has been copied by a zillion people out there, but you're the original (laughs) one on it. And you give out some fantastic tips and tricks on Instagram freely. And one of the, the amazing tips is that you always talk about, you're the queen of reusing content and how you reuse it differently, which I think is absolutely amazing because so many people just kind of think that they can't post it because it's old and you reuse stuff. But where I wanted to start with is how did you get into this industry? What, what did that look like? So believe it or not, which by the way, I'm super excited to be here today with you chatting. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, So I'm very honored to be a guest on your podcast. But um, yeah, so I got started in the industry, believe it or not, when I was in high school, I took cosmetology. And I definitely wouldn't say that I was 100% sold that like, this is what I want to do. But I was not big, like I I got good grades, but I didn't love schoolwork, you know. Mm. So I was like, Oh, cool. Like I can take cosmetology and like, do hair for the last three hours of my school day. Like this sounds great, you know? So I joined cosmetology and I did two years of it in high school. So when I graduated high school, I had my cosmetology license and I was actually enrolled in college. Um, I was going to go to school for fashion design and about a week before school was going to start, I told my parents, like, I'm not going. And they were both kind of like, wait, what? Like, you're not going to go to college. And, um, you know, back then I think hairdressing had like kind of like a stigma that it wasn't like a career. Like it was just like a side job. So I ended up getting a job at a salon in my hometown that, you know, I always wanted to work at. And I went through a training program there and I ended up falling in love with it. And, you know, the rest is history. I've been doing hair over 15 years now, which makes me feel super old when I say that, but it's been such a great journey. So, Well, I won't tell you how long I've been doing hair because that's going to make you feel really, really, (laughs) really young. But the interesting thing about America is that in some states, you can do cosmetology, get your license before you leave school. And so it's it's learning a trade straight off before you you exit. And so many American hairdressers that have come on here, their parents have wanted them to go to college, wanted them to kind of have this safety net and you could always fall back on cosmetology. And all the successful ones had cold feet when they were in college, pulled back and went into the industry and boom. Yeah, I I really like, I I just found like 
a love for it. And I, I mean, I, I think it's also really important to share with hairdressers out there, you know, anyone that follows me or, you know, learns from me, I think it's really important to admit too, that like, I didn't really find myself as a hairdresser until I went independent. So mm. I spent, you know, a good, like eight years kind of being like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like I loved it, but I wasn't doing what I loved all the time. So I did have a very, um, kind of moment there where I was thinking to myself, like, maybe I should change careers. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not in love with the salon I'm working at. It wasn't a great environment. And I remember my dad telling me, he was like, you know, he had his own business. Um, and he said to me, he was like, Chrissy, I, if you give it a shot on your own, like independently, and you still don't like it. He's like, then I'm okay with you changing careers. He's like, but I want you to give it a shot. He's like, cause I think it's going to change the way you look at things. And so I opened my studio and that was when I truly felt like I found where I belonged in the industry and like thrived. So you, you spent eight years with a salon after coming out. So that really does give you a lot of time to see what you like and what you don't like, which Absolutely. then, of course, allows you to figure out what you want to do. And personally, I think it's super important that young people starting out don't go on their own straight away. I think it's really important to be in a salon environment and learn how to run a column, learn how to interact with other people besides your clients, because life is Life is full of people that you don't necessarily get on with, but you've got to deal with. I agree with you. Yeah, because it's a huge conversation at the moment, isn't it? And everyone's like, oh, let's go independent. Yet, I feel there, there is a place for all of it. I mean, I spoke with uh, somebody the other week on a podcast coming up. I can't say who it is yet. And they're still at the same salon that they've been at for 14 years, but they look like they're independent because they were in the right environment and they stayed with it and didn't want to change. But you had really supportive parents behind you. And your dad was like, hey, you haven't given it your full shot yet. I did. And honestly, um, I think if it wasn't for him, you know, the true story behind that was at the time I was on the side while I was working at my salon, I was teaching um, Pure Bar, which is like a fitness class, like a Pilates belly fusion. And I was a dancer my whole life, you know, until I went into my career. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to open a pure bar studio. And my dad was like, no, you're not. That's really trendy. And you're not going to do that. You're going to stick with your career and give it a shot. So, you know, my parents have always been so supportive of me. And I feel so grateful and blessed that, you know, to have had them behind me because, they've kind of always led me in the right direction. Yeah, a lot of, and a lot of people don't have that, do they? So, I mean, it really is no. something to celebrate and it's something lovely to hear. Yeah. So you open, so you leave the salon, you say your goodbyes and you open a studio. So what was, what was that studio like? So I actually um, opened a salon loft and that was ah. kind of right. It was like right when salon lofts became like the new thing. And I was... Could you... Go ahead. Could you tell me? Can you tell me the, so it's Salon Lofts, so we have an English audience as well, and that's going to be, it's slightly a new term to me too, so it's going to be a new term. What's a Salon Loft? So it's basically a, kind of like a studio space, and it's in like a large like building, whether it's like a warehouse building or a big like um, 
a big like strip mall building. And basically what it was, was I had a room. Um, it wasn't very big to be honest, but it had like a shampoo chair, a styling chair, a mirror, like a little area for my color, a little area for retail. And it was kind of like a little mini studio space, but there was like 27 of them in the location. So it was like, you were renting a room almost. Um, and you know, for me, it was a good start, but I was really nervous, you know, coming from a salon in my area that was like this huge salon. I was like, are my clients going to be okay with being in, you know, just a little studio space. And it turned out that it made no difference to them because the reason that they were coming to me was because they enjoyed coming to me as a hairstylist. So, so the other 27 people that were there, did you find it, because this is, this is what interests me, did you find it lonely or were you able to mix with them and talk to them and communicate with them? So I would say a little bit of both. Um, I definitely had like a core group of people there that I got along with really well that I considered my friends. But then you also had kind of like, you know, borderline salon environment where you had those people that were, you know, they would see you getting boxes of products and, and, you know, thriving on Instagram. And and there was definitely some of that like salon jealousy type, you know, atmosphere. Um, And it was kind of, I think at that point, I would realize that I had sort of outgrown my space and that it was time to, you know, try something a little bit bigger, but I was in my loft for like five years. So it was a good starting point, and I think I needed that stepping stone to get where I'm at today. Yes. I think when we look back at our careers, that we always, sometimes in it, we can't always see the point of it. But when we look back on it, we, it's so clear to us that it, that was an important moment in our lives and helps shape us. It's so true. So you did that. You did it for five years independently on your own. Um, with some people around you and you mentioned Instagram in that so so Instagram must have become a thing by then yeah so I actually when I was at um, my salon loft I went and took a class in Los Angeles at uh, 9901 Academy of course and it was a yes like it was I feel like it was like the salon that just I wanted to be there I wanted to see the people there, learn from them. And I actually took one of their boot camp classes, which was like a three-day course. And one of the girls who taught like this very kind of minimal social media segment was like, why are you posting things that you don't want to do? She's like, if you want to do blondes, post blondes. If you want to do reds, post reds. If you hate color corrections, don't post color corrections. And I was like, wow, like that makes so much sense. And I felt like I left that class feeling so inspired, so ready to like just change my outlook. And that was when I actually really started focusing on Instagram and trying to consciously build like my dream clientele. At that point, I don't think I was like looking at it like, oh, I want like a million followers. I think it was more like I want the kind of clients that I want to do in my chair. So that was sort of how I got started on Instagram. Personally, I think that's the most important piece of Instagram that people seem to forget is that what it's great for, I mean, it's great, obviously, as your roles get bigger, but it's great for bringing in the type of clients or guests, however you want to call it, that you want, right? 
I agree completely. And that's something that I literally talk about in every class I teach, whether it's independent, a trust class, a behind the chair class. I talk all the time about how I highly encourage stylists to commit to their Instagram, even if it's like three posts a week, like just something and make it about building your clients and getting the dream clients that you want in your chair because it's free advertising and it is the best way to do that. Yeah, I agree. And though so many people seem to struggle with it, um, they struggle with content, they struggle with the decision, what to post, what not to post, what's the caption. But unless you do it, it's like it's nothing you've got to commit to it and you've got to learn in it because we all we're never good at anything when we first start out right we we figure out what works for us it's the same it's not a magical theorem that um, from some really heavy math class that you need to understand it's really quite simple completely agree so I just really started posting you know solely focusing on blondes and I think that that's when I really started to get them back in my chair. And I started to realize like, wow, I'm really good at this. Like, this is where I should focus my energy. These are the kind of new clients I should take on. And it almost like just happened instantaneously. Like it was so easy to find these new clients um, because people were looking on Instagram, you know, people look at hashtags to like find people in their cities and see like who's doing, you know, the current techniques and whatnot. And I will say, I think that a lot of my clients I gained because I had taken classes, I had the knowledge, I was doing like techniques that were being done in LA that nobody had really brought back to Cleveland yet. And that sets you apart. That's why like education is so important in this industry. Like I don't know everything, you know, like I still take classes. So me too. It's just so important, you know. So what I think is important is about staying relevant, right? So that you can have a long career. Now we can get caught up in the moment of something being successful. And I've I've gone into salons, you know, in, in Europe and in the States where they're still doing what they were doing 20 years ago. And what happens is there's nothing wrong with the work at all. And that and that it's fine. But what I see is that you see the clients aging out. And then you don't see younger people coming in. And what happens to the hairdresser is they become a hairdresser of older clients. And when those clients disappear, they've got no business. And if you want longevity in this industry, which is what we all, well, I could, this is what I want, longevity. In it. I agree. <laughs> yes. So the, the two of us, what we want is longevity. And so Absolutely. we have to stay current and, and stuff changes. Yeah. Stuff changes and people come in with images and we need to be able to understand what they are and we need to be able to replicate it. It's so true. And it's even as like an educator, um, as you know, because I know you're very big on education, like you have to stay current with your education too. Like, you know, I've been teaching this year and right before I launched, you know, my class dates for the year, I revamped my education and what I was teaching. And, you know, people are kind of like, well, how do you come up with it? And I'm like, I just try to evolve each year and think about what I've learned and then make it my own because, you know, the year prior to that, I taught a different pattern that I used. And I just like to always be able to offer something new because 
stylists too will get bored looking at the same thing over and over again. Like you just have to keep evolving. Yes. I mean, the education component of it, you can't rely. I I couldn't rely upon what I was doing 20 years ago, yet it's still balayage, but it's, it's the conversations evolved, how you approach it has evolved. And, you know, whether you've got a lived in or a full highlight, that kind of thing. And so I know that mine has definitely changed and, importantly so because it needs to be relevant absolutely i mean your your balayage like i look at your page all the time and i'm always like this painting is just so beautiful and perfect like i really admire it because i am not a balayage artist i'm more of a you know a foil blonding artist but your work is phenomenal (laughs) well you know and i picked up loads of foiling tips because coming back into the american market it is different to the european market It, it just is definitely and the type of woman, they want to be blo- a bit blonder here. They don't mind about maintenance here. <laughs> They're willing to come in and spend more often. So it's a different market. And the bases are naturally darker. And so I'm not always going to get the lift that I want from a paint. So I've got to be, you know, I've got to have my board. I've got to have, I've got to sandwich my foils. I've got to do all those Absolutely. things. And if I'd just gone back to my traditional classic foiling, it would be old fashioned. So you have to adapt. Yeah. You absolutely do. Absolutely. Mm. So let's talk about the the whole blonding thing. You don't really do a lot of balayage. You're a foiler. Um, And is that because of some of the things that I just said in your market that, you know, darker bases want to be blonde? I would definitely say yes. So my clientele, like you know, I, if anyone follows my Instagram, like 90% of my feed, you definitely see like those bright kind of neutral to cool tone blondes. Um, in my market, like a lot of my clients are, you know, a level six base and lighter. Um, you know, I, like I said, I do have those few bronze clients that might like a little bit more of that, like golden warmth, but for the most part, on 90% of my clientele, I just can't achieve that lift with balayage. No. With with that being said, I still do apply some, I guess, you know, balayage concepts or techniques to my foil work, or I will use it like on a blonde who's already blonde to like kind of tip out their ends just to give them that like lived in brightness. So I like to do like I don't know, like a, like kind of like a fusion of techniques to create these like Hybrids. really beautiful, yes, like uh like a fusion blonding, like a um, just to give them like that those multi dimensions, you know. I'd never done tip outs, and I'd seen you do them, and I'm like, oh, let me have a, and I was like, oh, that's so good, yeah. And I was like, and you know, I mean, I can sit here quite honestly and say I'd never, I'd never done that. I'd I'd seen it a little bit, and then I watched you, and I'm like, actually, you know what, I'm going to do that, and you don't need to do it every time. No, just every so often, and it's amazing, right? It just it's, a, it's like a field. game changer. Yeah, yeah, it's a game changer, and it's like so simple. And like, you know, if your clients already like blonde, like someone like even with like my hair, it's like you don't need to do it every time. But when you need that little like pop, it kind of like I like to think of it like almost like an exfoliation. Like it doesn't lift a lot. It's just gonna kind of break through that dullness and like you know, the water, the products, everything that like kind of builds up on our hair. It's just kind of like easier to do it while the foils are in. And it saves you that step of like, you know, going in with like a wet balayage or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I love that one. So thanks for that one. I mean, but the thing about your patient, Absolutely. 
there's so much on your page. There's so much information. And a lot of people would would say that you shouldn't give it all away. I'm a great believer in giving it all away because nobody does it the same as me. Yeah, I just don't really, I've never been a believer in that concept. When I started doing hair, I, I do remember that. Like people would be like, don't tell people your formulas. Don't tell people your secrets. I'm like all about like share your secrets because nobody can recreate what you do. Um, nobody's going to have that same canvas of hair, you know, that you're working on. It's virtually impossible, whether you give out a formula, a technique, a placement, hair is so different. Like nobody can be you. And I think that's, what's beautiful about this industry is that it's beautiful to share your knowledge, um, because you are inspiring and helping others. And for me, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I think that you, you're right, right? Density, porosity, texture, all of those things are different for every single person, undercoats. And the fact that, you know, if, if we have the same client and we all apply the same tint, it's all going to look different because of the way you hold the nuances. And that's what makes us special. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So you you start doing you, you're doing all these techniques you're you're hybriding you're pulling in the clients your Instagram account is growing yeah so um you know for me I think kind of like the the pivotal point for me on Instagram was uh, and I know that you had mentioned this in the beginning but I made up a post because I like you said I was doing a lot of like hybrid techniques and I had mm-hmm. this picture of a blonde that I did and I had used like kind of like a a bunch of different techniques and like foil placements. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to like go into this app and like somehow try to like show how I placed it and like what I did. And I remember like, I got it all ready. And the next morning I was going to post and I'm like looking at it and I'm capturing it. And I'm like the blonde roadmap. I'm like, that sounds kind of cheesy, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And I remember hesitating posting it and I did. And that particular image like went viral. It got reposted by so many big pages. It started to catch on. People started making placement maps. And I was like, okay, this is going to like kind of be my thing. And then from there, I felt like that was where my following took off. And I was like, I think education is it for me, you Mm. know? So the blonde roadmap, I think is the most fantastic name. I think it's brilliant. And it's been copied by many, which is always flattering, but it's yours, isn't it? So, yeah, I, um, you know, I kind of looked at the post, I questioned it. I was like, the blonde roadmap, that sounds so silly, but I'm going to post it. And it was that post that like really went viral and it was reposted on so many pages. I saw people creating color mapping posts and that was like when my Instagram kind of took off people started asking me like, Oh, do you educate? Do you teach classes? And I was like, I don't, but I guess I could. And that was sort of when I realized like I had like a big passion for teaching. Yeah. So the the thing about the blonde roadmap is that it's yours. You own it. I mean, I just, you, I just know that you, not necessarily you own it, but you own it and you did it and it's been it's been copied a lot and i think it's very flattering it can be a bit frustrating when somebody runs with your idea as well but that's the nature of instagram but it's the big brand the big pages that when they when they post something that they obviously think is brilliant 
that's when things really take off, isn't it? You see this jump in numbers and then people start looking at your page and if they like it, they start following you and engaging with you as well. So it's always wonderful when that happens, I think. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like a wonderful stroke of luck. You know, like I was sort of at that point, um, I I mean, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of on the verge of like, well, I don't feel like I'm catching on, like people aren't seeing my work. You know, you see people in the industry and you're like, people know other people or they know someone connected to a big company. Like I didn't know anybody. Like I was like this girl from Cleveland and I was seeing other people have this like instant success because of connections. And I'm like, Oh, I have no connections. So I was kind of like on the verge of honestly giving up. And it was right around that post that behind the chair reached out to me, um, you know, and asked if I was interested in joining the BTC team. And it was, you know, I'm forever grateful to them because it was really a career changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, BTC have some wonderful people. They showcase, they showcase some great stuff on there too. But I think that what's interesting is that you felt that you were about to give up on it. And just as you were feeling that, that that success happened and you stayed in it, right? And the other piece yeah. is that of course, the US market is massive. If you think about it, Mississippi is bigger than the United Kingdom, right? Which is great, great for it. So it's yeah. bigger than bigger than that. It I found it incredibly hard to have personal interrelations with, with people. That sounds weird. Let's cut that. I find it hard to have <laughs> personal relationships with other hairdressers in a sort of live setting because you know, it's so massive. There are different events going on everywhere. And I found that I've been able to make connections with yourself and, and lots of other people through Instagram. And in fact, it's been a wonderful tool to stay connected with people. Yeah, it's Instagram is such an incredible tool for that. And I honestly feel so like grateful for the connections that I've made um, with people like yourself and you know, some of my closest friends are people that I literally met on Instagram. And we were like, one day, like, oh, let's go take a class together. Or they came to my class or vice versa. And, um, you know, they've become lifelong friends. So it's a really cool tool for that. It is. It's a great tool to build your business. But it's also a great tool to make friendships on. I mean, I've got friends who, who I consider friends, right? And we talk about all sorts of stuff. And we still oh, yeah. haven't seen each other in person, because we're just so far away from each other. Exactly. I'm, I mean, I'm the same way, you know, it's it's really cool, but it's a great tool for that. Yeah. I mean, that's why, and that's why I love BTC too, because when I went to BTC it, for the first one in America last year, I met all these people and I'm just like, oh my God, this is this person, this is this person. And it was a great way to make those connections stronger. It is. It really is. It's such a, such a fun show when you meet so many of the people that you talk to all the time. Mm. So as an educator, what was it like for you going from, you know, conversations on Insta about what you did and how you did it to to going into a classroom for the first time and delivering that education. It must have been weird. Wow. It was. um, So it was kind of like, you know, on a whim, I was like, okay, like, I'm going to teach my first class. And I actually did it with two other stylists, my very first one. And I will never forget, like, I was standing up you know, we were about to start, we had three models, there's three of us up there. And I was saying there, I was like, I, I think I'm sweating. Like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. Like, and I am like, 
people, I don't know, maybe they do or don't know this about me, but I'm one of the most like introverted kind of private people. And I'm not very outgoing unless it's like a one-on-one thing, you know? So I'm great with my clients. Like I'm great behind the chair because I'm like in my element, but like the thought of delivering something to a room of like 30 people was terrifying. Mm. So I felt like for the first, you know, 10 minutes, I was like doing my weaves and like my hands were like shaking and like clammy. And then I don't know, like something just clicked and like people started asking questions and it was like the most, um, it was such like a great feeling when I finished, like such a rush, such like a rewarding experience that I was like, I think this is what I'm meant to do. Yes. The, the, the thing is, if the room isn't warm and receptive, it's really, really hard. I mean, I come from that traditional, you know, pro- so hard. product company into independent, whereas you went from independent to product company. But if the room yep. isn't warm, oh my God, you're like, what, who am I delivering to? Do they like it? Do they not like it? It's There's an art to warming up the room that you learn as you go along, isn't there? There really is. And like, I was actually just teaching a class this past weekend with my friend, um, Mickey Cologne. And, you know, he is very like dynamic and he's like a comedian when he teaches, whereas I'm more like technical and like, you know, kind of like to the point delivering what I'm teaching. But it's funny because like, after a lot of classes with him, a lot of classes with different people, I've kind of like, I always joke, I'm like, I'm not that funny, but like, I've learned to like be funny. And that is really how you warm up the room. Like people need to realize that you're just a real person and you're just like them, yes. you know? Yeah, it really is. And I th- I always sort of say, oh, listen, if you can't understand me, it's because I'm English and I speak way too fast. And people just <laughs> laugh, right? Or I say, I'm, you know, I'm fresh off the boat. So, you know, be gentle on me. And it just kind of yeah. softens the room. And it also, what it does is I think that when people look at somebody like you, right, who's uber successful, they put you on a platform and actually, you're a human and you're you're here with them. And so by having a little bit of humor and being able to sort of just chuckle about yourself a little bit, what you do is you bring yourself back into the room. And I think that is a knack to good education. I think it's so true. And I think that like, you know, it's just like what you said. I mean, I've gone to now at this point, so many shows, events, and, you know, sometimes people approach me and it's like, like you just said, they think I'm like up here and I'm always like, oh my gosh, I'm, and I've said this so many times, like I'm sure people who have met me can actually vouch for this, but I always say to people, I'm like, you guys, I'm really not that cool. I'm probably one of the most like uncool people actually in real life, you know, like I'm just a normal person. So, um, I, you know, I think like, I've never thought I was above or better than anyone. I think I can learn something from everyone. So, yeah, I just think with big Instagram accounts, what happens is people tend to idolize you and they put their own thoughts about who you are and what you are and everything. And mm-hmm. what what we really are are hairdressers that work behind the chair, right? I mean, that's, yep. that's the lovely piece about what we do, that we're not just working for a brand, we're working behind a chair, we're look, we've got the same problems that you encounter every single day. And that's why we can communicate education in a deliverable modern way. Absolutely. And I mean, I work behind the chair when, you know, I'm home now actually for this next month, which is a nice break because I've been traveling for the last month. But yeah, I mean, I go to my salon, it's, you know, five minutes away from my house and I work behind the chair and I have all my clients that I've had forever. And that's my daily life. Yeah. And I love it still. I love it still. I do too. I still love it. As we're in education, from independent educator, 
which is a knack in itself, and especially transitioning from Insta to real life, because they're very different approaches. But you've also been able to navigate the path into professional product division. And you're an ambassador for, I don't know exactly your role, but you're you're an ambassador for trust professional. Yes. What do you think, I certainly have an opinion on it, what do you think are the differences and the nuances in making that switch? So I think, so it's a funny thing, I actually worked with trust um, professional for a long time as a brand specialist for, for years. And um, so their product kind of was always like my go-to, like I always used their lightener. I always had their shampoos on my back bar. So I was very familiar with it. Um, It was this past year that they approached me and asked me, you know, if I would like to be an international ambassador. And I was like, wow, that's huge, you know? Huge. International. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was something that like, I think was my ultimate goal. And I say that I think because I was like something I just never thought that I would not, I mean, you can achieve anything you put your mind to, but it was like something that felt like I was always reaching for that. So, um, you know, I knew it was the right choice for me because a, they are like a family to me. So, um, they're just a truly wonderful company to work with. But with that being said, I've always been the hairdresser that can't post things on my Instagram that I don't truly believe in because when you are teaching for, you know, a professional line, you do have to promote their products and you have to have that knowledge. And so that would be, I guess, the main difference. But with Trust, I feel like they still allow me to have my individuality and they allow me to teach my techniques and incorporate their products with them. But it's like you said, it's a little shift in the market. It's a little bit different because you are doing a little more product knowledge with your teaching. Um, but overall, it's it's been a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing is kind of knowing your your product and what you're working with, you know? I like the bit that you said that you used the product and that you it was your go-to product anyway. So what you when you came to the brand, it wasn't like it was like, oh, you already understood the ways in which you used it and were able to call and they allowed you to be you in the international yes. role, which is really important because the authenticity still comes through on it. Yeah. And I think that that for me was like what, what sold me on it was they had actually given me the opportunity before I became an ambassador to be on stages with them and work with their team and have that experience. And it was like, every time I stepped foot on that stage with any of the other trust ambassadors, or I was on any trip with their team, I felt like I was at home. I felt like they it wasn't like they'd say to me, like, you're going to teach this on stage. It was like, Chrissy, what do you want to teach on stage? You know, like, what are you going to teach? And that for me was like, when I was like, this is a team I want to stand behind, you know? So it was like a no brainer. They recognize your best, that you, you understand your best qualities and that they were willing to allow you to be that, not try to make you into something else, which is really special. So that's very nice for you. Yeah. It's so important. So I found working when I put branded brand content on them because you know you have to do that right when you're a brand ambassador you have to do that yet I struggle with the engagement on it because suddenly it doesn't look like me right and how I do it and I'm like do I put this and I'm just going to talk to you about this I have not figured it out yet right but do you do you put it on stories 
or do you put it on your page? Like uh, there was one, there's two that have been really important to me and I'm both very much part of them, but the branded, the whole branded thing, and I recognize that the brands have to do it because that's the brand, but it doesn't engage with the audience. And I haven't found a way that I can do it. Like I did this beautiful campaign um, when I was in Europe, Blonde to the World, it was beautiful. The images, I was so proud of them, but they were overly produced and they just didn't hit with the audience either. It's so difficult. You know, it's, I'm like so glad you're saying this because I feel like I've been struggling with the same thing. Like branded content is definitely hard to get engagement on. Um, Mm. So I've kind of been trying. So what I found in general too, like what you were just saying about images, I've had like some images that I've taken at classes recently or at shoots or things like that, that like I was so proud of. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to post this beautiful image. And then you're right. Like it gets no engagement and it's, yeah. And you feel so disappointed. So as far as like branding content, if we're talking about products, I found that it almost does better if you put it into a reel um, and like maybe throw in your technique with it. So it's still kind of personal, but you're like promoting the product and it's people are looking at like a technique with like, say, you know, like your L'Oreal detox or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I've been incorporating my product stuff, but I have... I've actually also been struggling with engagement on like my photos and stuff. And I don't know what the Instagram algorithm is doing these days, but like, I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure it out. And some days I'm like, what is going on? Like, am I just, do people not like what I'm posting? Like, I don't know. It's, it's really hard, isn't it? And I, you can understand. I mean, if you've had this massive growth and you're used to it, then suddenly it's like, oh my God, do I get caught up in numbers? Do I not? Do I post because I like it? Am I posting for the audience? Like, what am I doing in that? And I have this back and forth conversation and it's like, you know, come on, Jack, come on, you're you're rubbish. This is no good. People don't like this or this is good and whatever. And it goes through me. And at the end, I've sort of come into the conclusion, I'm just going to do what I do and keep an eye on what everyone else is doing and just be right because I can't put a reel together for every single thing I don't want to no. do that I do want to tell stories in different ways rather than just a reel well I completely agree with that and I think you still need to remain true to yourself um I definitely think for a while you know I it was last year it felt like it was very easy to grow on Instagram like I think I gained like it was crazy, like a hundred thousand followers in a year. That you, being said, you and I did that, right? But we were in COVID. Yeah, yeah, and people were. At home. I was about to say we were, we were in COVID, so we had a ton of time. So I was posting three, four times a day, just like constantly on there engaging, and it was easy. Now I feel like I've kind of hit this wall, and I'm like, I'm not going real fast. I'm still posting at least twice a day. Um, but one thing I did find that is super helpful and whether this helps you or anyone that's listening to this podcast is when I'm kind of struggling with like a low engagement time, I go into my insights. So go into your insights, go into the content that you shared and hit like, you know, the last six months or something like that. Go to like your top engaged posts and repost them because I'm telling you, like I have a couple of videos on my Instagram that when I say I've posted them probably like eight times, I'm not exaggerating. Like I have like one where I'm like curling hair. There is like one color one that does really good. Like, and when I, you know, I'll look at my page. I'm like, okay, they're like, you know, 20 posts down the grid or something like that. Like 
A, nobody remembers, and B, for some reason, the they always do good. Like so I learned that. You gotta find what they like, you know. <laughs> I learned that from Amy Camouflage and Valley Arts. She told me to, at the beginning of the year, yes. I was like, this is really crap. I mean, it's just like I'm dying a death on here. And she's like, go to your favorite, go to one of your best posts. And I've got like three that did re- like in the millions on reels. And yes. she's like, yes, repost it with the same music. And it did, and she said, don't worry about the caption. It could be another caption on it. And honest to God, it went boom and it kicked up. So yes. I think, yeah. So I'm actually. That's so funny. I, I love Amy as well. She's such a lovely person. But um, yeah, that um, I do the same thing. So. So that's what I'm going to be doing this week, right? Because I'm just like, oh, there's not really much growth going on here. And I'm like, I'm going to repost my behind the chair entry that did really well that got in the two point something million views. I'm just going to say, here's the reminder. You know, I mean, they've they've all it's probably been judged by now anyway or something. But here's the reminder of this piece that everyone likes. You know, take a look. You absolutely, absolutely should. And like, it, it, I'm telling you, that's the key. And also, like, when you're doing like you know, one of your beautiful balayages, whether it's like a video or a picture, like I repurpose my content all the time too. And that's, so if this I have, is the bit yeah. that I really want you to talk about because you, first of all, you were the, the first person I ever heard acknowledge it. You were the first person that talked about it openly. You were the queen of reusing content or the king, <laughs> whatever you want to be. But I are, am. <laughs> but you do it so brilliantly and so many times I hear people, I've got nothing to post, I've got nothing to post. I'm like, you've got a phone full of images, repurpose oh, them. you have things to post. I know you do. So yeah, I talk about this openly in all of my classes. And I think that every stylist should hear this because I, one of the biggest questions I get in classes is like, well, I just don't have enough content to post or I don't have enough like dream clients or whatever. I'm like, that's okay. So the way that I do this is when I have one of those clients who is like, you know, a client that I take a lot of photos of. I mean, when I say that I take a lot of content and a lot of photos, we're talking like 150 photos of them and like all different views, front, back, <clears throat> hairline, um, side views, like videos, little clips of the foil placements. And then from that one client, I am bound to get one great photo. I'm bound to get a good reel you get little snippets that you can turn into just quickie little like, Hey, like, you know, fold your foil like this. Um, you can take that beautiful photo that you got of that client and you can put a color placement diagram over it. You could take that picture of the client, go back with a picture of them from their appointment in the winter, put them side by side. And there you have like a summer and winter color comparison. Um, I mean, there's just, it's like endless. So I, tell people all the time. I'm like, scroll my page, look for it. You're going to see like a lot of the same people, different views, different types of educational content, pretty pictures, a before and after. Um, I just think about all that when I'm shooting it. So that way, like I never run out. And, you know, when you take 150 shots of someone, like usually you like one or two, but like maybe a month later you go back and you're like, well, you know what? Actually, this is pretty too. I could post this because I don't have anything else. I, I think that's brilliant though, this, this whole reuse of content because Amy, Camouflage and Ballet, I said that when she first started, she had one client that she liked and the rest of them were clients that she didn't want to promote because she wanted to attract what she wanted to attract. And she took millions of pictures and put glazes on them and did all sorts of different things and reused that all the time. 
And what you're saying here is, which I think is wonderful, is one that you save your images, right? I scroll through my, I've got loads. And then oh, you yeah. repick and retell another part of the story because you don't need to tell the whole story in one post. You just tell a piece of it. And so great captions that are engaging. And suddenly you've got this, you've got a bank full of posts ready to go. If you can just sit and relax and think about how you can put them differently. Yeah. I mean, and I spend a lot of time doing that. Sometimes it's, sometimes I feel embarrassed to admit how much time I spend doing that, but I will do that. I'll create the content. I'll favorite it. So I have my album of favorites and I know that that's all like content that's been created um and like I said I just revisit it if I run out of stuff I can always post something from a couple months ago that did really amazing um and then you just never run out and that way it's like when you don't have new content like you're not like not posting because it's better to post something than to just your Instagram doing nothing um and I've learned that because I used to think I needed like 80 clients to have content for every day but you know, it's funny. I, I do think my audience notices like who my like main, you know, girls are that I'm posting on my page and I'm okay with that. Cause for me, those girls represent what my brand is. So I think that it's okay. <laughs> it is okay. And I think that, I think that people need to get over the fact that they can't use something from that. They, that they've, taken a few months ago or a year ago. Now, if we take this back to COVID, uh, when it started in England, I had 750 files of video and images. And me and my friend, we went through it all. And we we were able to post all new looking stuff to everyone all the way through lockdown without me being able to do any, I couldn't do any work. But I had wow. all I had all the stuff, and I could have the conversations that I wanted to have about how I feel about hair color. Yeah, and, and that, it, was, it, it was like whoa. It, and you know what else I've noticed too, and I I know that you do this on your page as well. But sometimes it's really good to just totally switch it up. And every once in a while, like I'll do a post, like you know, oh, just because you're a hairstylist doesn't mean you have to work Saturday, and like things like that get like like people start talking, you know, like mm. you get that like conversation going on in your post, you get that engagement. And I noticed that a lot of times you put up kind of like question posts or like topics of discussion. And I think even that sometimes is a good like change of pace. Um, you know, cause sometimes, you know, people get sick of seeing pictures all the time. So it's like be creative and come up with new stuff. I mean, it's, it's, an amazing story from you. And I love the fact that you've just shared so much. And actually, I'm in an Instagram rut this week. And I'm just like, uh, uh, but you have actually inspired me. I mean, I've been scrolling through the phone, but you've inspired me to kind of repost one and see how that does. And of course, guys, if you're listening, go and watch that post. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you should because and also just being like an Instagram you know, someone who pays attention to all this, I personally really enjoy your page. I feel like you have, you have it so nicely branded. It's so like aesthetically pleasing, you know, what you're looking at and like what your, um, you know, what your purpose is on there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really cool. It shows that like, you know, who you are as an artist, but it didn't start off like that. Right. I mean, it started no, off didn't either. An, an absolute shambles, you know, I mean, I always say that there were more pictures of 
glasses of whiskey, the dogs and the cats and, you know, that kind of stuff than yeah. was actually of hair. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do it. And the only way that yeah. you can learn how to do it is to talk to people, to go on courses, to ask people. I, You know, reach out is what I say. Reach yeah. out and ask people, listen, all of those things. And then I've had some guidance. You know, I I am paid someone to guide me a little bit more so I could really figure out what my tone of voice was but you don't need to do that to begin with you just need to start figuring out as you go along and I mean that's what we've all done really yeah it's all trial and error I think that you know that's what I was like I was saying earlier is like I encourage people just commit to it and like you will figure out what your you know what your calling is what your where you thrive, kind of like what you want to do with your Instagram, whether it's for clients, whether it's that you want to be an educator, you just want followers. I mean, there's so many reasons, networking. So the list goes on, you know. The list really goes on. And there's one more thing I want to ask you. Yes. Being a blonde yourself, and I'm a blonde now as well. I love the hair, by the way. Thank you. I'm loving it. Why do you think that brunettes don't do well? Now, I have the same problem brunettes and I love a brunette right and they just don't resonate with people or the people that follow me I agree and it's so funny because same with me I occasionally occasionally I do this like beautiful brunette and um I feel like I capture it so well and I'm like oh my god I always have the hardest time like photographing brunettes and once in a while I get one that I'm like this is a winner you know and I feel the same way. Like I post it. I'm so proud of it. And it's like, nobody's like interested in it. So I don't know if it's just because maybe we're just known for like blonding, you know, like, so they don't want to see brunettes from us, but I feel the same way. And I wish I knew because, you know, when I do a brunette, I'm like super proud of it. I'm like, Hey guys, I can do a brunette too, you know, but I don't know. I wish I knew. When I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's one of my modern day, I mean, first world problem, but it's one of my modern struggles that it's like, why don't the brunettes do well on here? And I love the brunette. But if it's a They're brunette beautiful. that I turn to level 22, then it'll do well. But it's like... Oh, always. Always. But it's like, why does everyone have to... Why does it have to be that light? Why can't... I don't know. It's anyway, it's... Oh, a, either. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we will. <laughs> One of these days, we'll figure out why brunettes don't resonate on our pages, <laughs> and then we'll share it with everyone, like we do. Hey, Chrissy, Ab- we will. We absolutely will. We absolutely will. Chrissy, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on today. I know that you're super busy. I know that you're back in town for a month, so you're going to be busy at that. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jack, so much. I enjoyed this. It was so much fun talking with you. I think you're amazing. Um, and I was honored to be a guest here. Oh, well, I'm fanboying anyway. So, you know, I'm... Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of fangirling too. So likewise. <laughs> Brilliant. I, thank you so much for sharing all, all those insights. Really, really important stuff. Absolutely. So, thanks so much. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favorite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor, C-O-L-O-R.com. <laughs>